Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It would be heart-wrenching to think a child would kill their parents. But in many cases, you get mixed feelings about the situation once you understand the motivations. Lizzie Borden's case, for a while, was shaping up to be a similar story. While most people believe Lizzie Borden was responsible for hacking her parents to bits, not everyone was so quick to accuse her. Several theories was floating around concerning who actually killed Andrew and Abby Borden or why Lizzie might have done it, with suggestions ranging from logical to insane. Let's recap episode one before we dive into these theories. Almost a century after her death, Lizzie Borden continues to captivate people, not due to what she did, but rather for what a jury determined she didn't do. In 1892, Lizzie was caught, convicted, and acquitted of her father and stepmother's murders. Lizzie was the unmarried daughter of a wealthy merchant in Fall River, Massachusetts. An unknown murderer brutally killed Lizzie's father and stepmother in their home on August 4, 1892, and Lizzie was suspected. Popular opinion was so sure of her guilt that the crime was included in the popular children's song, Lizzie Borden Took an Axe. Lizzie had at least one reason for the murders, Her affluent father, who was reputed to be rather tight-fisted and was supposedly upset after purchasing a property for his sister-in-law, reportedly refused her desire for a more excellent lifestyle. This lifestyle included a mansion in an upper-class neighborhood, which she cherished after her father's death. In some cases, not all, children often resort to violence against parents as a response to a traumatic, perhaps sexually abusive childhood. Historian Marcia Carlyle speculated in American heritage that Lizzie might have been the subject of sexual abuse. Carlyle also mentioned Lizzie's suspected mental health issues, mentioning Lizzie's words to a friend some days before the killing. She said, quote, I feel depressed, as if something was hanging over me that I couldn't shake and it comes over me at times, no matter where I am. Lizzie stated that to a friend 
the day before the killings. The 1967 book, A Private Disgrace, argued that Lizzie struggled from epilepsy and committed the killings while in a fugal state. According to KQED, Lizzie revealed to a nurse who treated her that her boyfriend committed the killings because her father was against the relationship. The identity of the man, though, is unknown. Others have speculated that Lizzie and Bridget, the Borden's maid, plotted the killings together, possibly due to a relationship that was sexual in nature. Some assume they were in such a relationship because Bridget made a deathbed revelation to her sister that she had modified evidence on the stand to protect Lizzie. Another reason for this conclusion is that Bridget declined to go upstairs to Miss Borden's bedroom to notify her of Mr. Borden's death. When the neighbor went to grab a sheet to cover Andrew's body, she allegedly stated, We'll need two, despite never having been upstairs. So this begs the question, how would she know they would need two sheets? Unless, of course, she already knew Miss Borden was lying dead upstairs. However, there are chances that other members of the family might have committed the murders. Arnold Brown argued in his 1992 book, Lizzie Borden, The Legend, The Truth, The Final Chapter, that Lizzie had an illegitimate and mentally deficient brother who might have committed the crimes. Brown felt Lizzie had lied to hide her half-brother and possibly the shame attached to him. He also claims that this son, William Bill Borden, was a young man at the time of the killings. He believes that this mysterious Bill Borden not only conducted the massacre, but that this guilt was purposefully concealed by Fall River authorities at Lizzie's request. As per him, the trial was a joke with a mostly pre-planned screenplay in which Lizzie, her defense team, and the prosecution all worked together to get her off the hook. It seems the entire thing was orchestrated by a group known as the Mellon House Gang, whom Brown calls Fall River's bigwigs, or the city's silent government. For whatever reason, they didn't want the actual identity of Abby and Andrew Borden's killer to be made public. Finally, according to the book Cold Case to Case Closed, Lizzie's uncle, John V. Morse, could have been the culprit. Morse had been living with the family, and he and Andrew were lifelong business partners. The fight which most likely was over Morse's livestock business, would have caused tensions to run high, leading to him killing both husband and wife in the act of rage. It was investigated, and Morse was cleared as a suspect due to an alibi. But later, that alibi was proven false. Furthermore, he was a butcher, who usually carried a cleaver, which in the circumstances seemed like the perfect murder weapon. But if we still go back and believe that it was Lizzie who killed her parents, the theories don't just end with a traumatic childhood or a love affair. It could have been what motivates most people, money. To this day, most people who believe Lizzie was guilty believe that money and anger for her stepmother drove her to commit murder. It should be mentioned, however, that not everyone believes Andrew Borden was as greedy or as miserly as history portrays him. 
according to a pair of notebooks kept by one of Lizzie's lawyers. Andrew and his daughter appear to be at least somewhat close. According to Michael Martins, director of the Fall River Historic Society, Andrew Borden was clearly highly concerned about the well-being of his daughters. Sure, the estate lacked running water and power, but Andrew reportedly paid for Lizzie to explore Europe. While it's true the state failed to prove Lizzie's guilt, It's also true that the all-male jury was likely affected by particular sentiments of the time. Many people in 1893 couldn't believe a lady like Lizzie, a Sunday school teacher from a privileged family, could conduct such a heinous crime. Furthermore, Massachusetts had never executed a woman since 1778, so this jury was undoubtedly not eager to make history. However, Lizzie stepped out of that courtroom a free woman, and Andrew and Abby Borden's murder remains unsolved to this day. But the real drama started after she walked out of the courtroom. After appearing in the trial that captivated the country, Lizzie Borden used her father's money to buy a mansion in an upper-class neighborhood. And unlike her prior residences, Lizzie's new home, Maplecroft, had four bedrooms, as the New York Times reported. Lizzie and Emma shared a house, but the sisters quickly fell out. It all started when Lizzie became fascinated with the theater, particularly with an actress named Nance O'Neill. Some speculate that Lizzie and O'Neill had a romantic connection. Regardless of the case, the heiress hosted a party for the actress, which irritated Emma, who walked out soon after. As far as we know, they never reconciled their differences. Lizzie bought a new house changed her name to Lisbeth, and toured significant places like Boston and New York, but she was never able to shed her former image. Whatever the jury decided, the rest of the world believed Lizzie had blood on her hands. From the crime scene investigation to the burning of her dress and the hiding of an illegitimate brother, something just didn't sit right about this girl. So what do you think about this case? Which of these theories do you think holds the most water? Feel free to theorize until next week's episode.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.